0: praise the Lord. Get your Bibles out, church. And if you would, go into the Old Testament to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 4. Now, I know y'all may be expecting I was going to talk about our trip and everything. Our trip was great. Listen to me. It was the greatest two weeks we ever had. We were so blessed. We got to see so many amazing things. I stood in St. Nichols Church in Galway, on the place where Columbus was fifteen years before he sailed to discover America. So you're just standing there thinking, wow, you know, I mean I could be standing exactly where he stood. You know, it's pretty cool. Went to all the 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 you know Saint Patrick's Cathedral, went to Christ church, saw all these beautiful, amazing, amazing, amazing things. And the one thing that that I I brought home from all of that was that people have been serving Jesus for a long time. We're not the first church. We're not the first people that have have gotten crazy and done radical things for Jesus. People have been around for a long time. And what I took away from all of that was, I don't know about y'all, but I, I want Living Waters Church to be like one of those churches that are around in a thousand years, if we, if we tarry that long, somebody comes by and says, what took place here in this valley and all these people gathered to worship Jesus? I began to just see something that what we're doing by the Spirit is something that we have got to look at into the future to carry on. Amen? For your grandchildren's children. Hello? Getting the Word of God and flowing in the things of God and coming into a place where the presence of God is. Amen? So I'm not so interested in building big buildings. I'm interested in building lives. And so the Lord gave me a message while I was over there. And I'm going to start it, and I'm not going to finish it today. I'm just going to tell you, don't, don't. It's going to, I don't know. I'm going to string this baby out because it's a great message. It's something that I know will change your life. It'll be the best message I ever preached. I guarantee you. And uh, I want to, I want to just start sharing it with you and letting you, letting the Spirit of God just kind of tenderize you to get this revelation. I believe that after I finish this revelation, that you can have some real victory and freedom in your life if you want it. Now, I don't know about you, when I say that, I'm not talking about, you know, like I think all of y'all are drug addicts or something. I don't know. I'm not at the place I want to be with Jesus. I want to be bigger. I want to do more. I want to go farther. I want to have a greater understanding, okay? And always remember, I got the message first, right? So he's speaking to me. So the title of this message, this series is going to be called Masterminds, okay? Masterminds. And at the end of it, I'm praying that you're going to be a mastermind. You're going to get it all figured out. But we're going to start here this morning in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame in his feet. <clears throat> he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came to Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened that as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame in his feet. And his name was Meshubbeth. Now, what had happened was is This young boy's grandfather, Saul, the king of Israel, had been killed. The battle was won. The Philistines won. They were coming in. They knew the nurse was scared. The nurse knew that if something would happen, something, you know, that they would normally come in, the the, the winning army, and kill all the the family of the king. So she knew the son was going to be killed, the grandson, rather. And so in her haste, it says she, she dropped him, all right, and he became lame in his feet. So, it wasn't his fault. I mean, you know, we can blame it on the nurse, but she's trying to save his life. But circumstances, and situations happen. The kid gets dropped on his head. I don't know he got dropped on his head, but I'm just saying he got dropped on his head because it preaches easier. And he dropped him on his head and he became lame in his feet. All right? So, the nurse was trying to save him, but he gets injured. And I don't know, you know... Wasn't his fault, wasn't her fault, wasn't nobody's fault, but, you know, just the circumstances of life caused him to be lame. And a lot of Christians in this world have become lame, dysfunctional in the things of God. Because I'm telling you, Jesus wants to be alive in your life. He wants to move in your life. He wants to talk to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to show you paths to go. He wants to to heal you. He wants to do miracles. He wants to help you help others. He wants to to just be flowing and moving in your life in such a great and amazing and mighty way that it even amazes you. That's what he wants. Okay? But a lot of time because of life and life circumstances, we, we become dysfunctional. We're not functioning as Christians. We're not functioning as conquerors. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We're not more than conquerors, right? We're just doing good sometimes to keep our, our head above water, right? So this is what happened to this poor kid. Now take it over to 2 Samuel 9.1. I'm going to read a little bit here, so I'm starting in verse 1. It says, now David said, is there anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So David is this unbelievable king who has a heart. He's trying, he's not worried about Saul's descendants, but he's wanting to honor and bless his relationship because he had a covenant relationship with Jonathan. And he's wanting to honor it. So he's trying to find out, hey, is there anybody left in the family? And there was a servant of the house of Saul named Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. And the king said, Is there still anyone, someone in the house of Saul, to whom I will show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There's still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in his feet. And the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Micah, in the house of Amil, in Lodabar. And the King David, and then King David sent and brought him out of the house. Now, can you imagine this? Here's this kid. He's lame in his feet. He's been hiding out all of his life. And all of a sudden, King David and his mighty men come showing up. You're pretty sure you're going to get your head cut off, right? That's what you'd be thinking. But no, he didn't know that David was coming to bless him. So anyway, he says he, he came to David. He fell on his face and prostrated himself. And then David said to him, Meshavapheth, He answered and said, Here is your servant. And the Lord said to him, Do not fear. I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. And then he bowed himself and he said, What is your servant that you should look upon me such as a dead dog that I am? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. You shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Meshimapheth and your master's son shall eat bread at the table always. Now, therefore, Ziba and his fifteen sons, and his twenty servants, and Zibbin said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servants, so your servant will do. As for Meshubbeth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Now just think about this. Here's this guy, he's lame in his feet. He's probably feeling sorry for himself. He's living out there in Lodabar. Now, that wouldn't sound like much, except if you go look up the name Lodabar. You know how you go to a town, any town, we do it till you name a town, and the town is about something. Lodabar literally means no pastures. It means there was nothing there. It means it was a... a, One of the translations says a dry, dusty place was the name of the town. Does that sound like where you want to live? The dry, dusty place, the no pasture place, the place where the cows don't have nothing to eat, where where everything is tough, where the, the, the dust is blowing, you got grit in your teeth all the time. This doesn't sound like a good place, right? But that's where he was. But yet he was a prince. You follow me? By heritage, by By lineage, he was a prince, but he was living in a place that was a dry, dusty, barren land, had no pastures in it, nothing good. As Christians, we're sons and daughters of the king, king. sons of God. God is our father. The king is our father. You are princes and princesses in life by rebirth through Jesus Christ. So you shouldn't be living in a dry and dusty land. You should be sitting and eating at the king's table. That's your position. but what happens in life? just like Mashibepheth circumstances, situations happen in life, and we it takes us out to what we're supposed to be doing, and then we just get to trying to live there and exist. You may today not you may today believe that you're not where you're supposed to be, but you've just been there for so long, you've just kind of learned to just. Deal with it. You've lost the desire to go on. You've lost the desire to sit at the king's table. And the reason why is because you have forgotten who you are. You've forgotten who you are. It's a great tactic of the enemy to get you so busy in life, so messed up with circumstances and situations that are taking place, to get you so confused in life that you forget who you are. You forget that you're born again, You're sons and daughters of God that you have a right to sit at the king's table and eat. And we just don't do it. Look at the person beside you and say, man, he's preaching good today. Look at the person on the other side and say, we need to send him off more often. <laughs> Look at James chapter 1, verse 23. One <coughs> twenty-three It says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, and then he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Folks, it's a tactic of the enemy to get you so distracted in life, so caught up with the things in life that you start to forget who you are. You begin to think you're just human. You begin to think you're just natural. You just begin to think that you're just whoever you are birthed by whoever is your parents on this earth and that you're not special. I want to tell you something this morning. I believe this with all of my heart. I believe you're sitting right here in the place that we call Living Waters Church, but I believe this place is a seed that God planted. I don't believe man planted. I believe God planted it. I believe God planted this church to be here, to, to bless you, to have the Spirit of God be able to touch you, that this is a water hole for the world. I believe that the world is opening up to us. I believe that more and more people around the world are going to hear the gospel message. And when you get to heaven, you're going to be totally, completely shocked. And you're going to have to stop and say, wow, I was a part of that. This isn't just some simple little church. This isn't just some simple little place. You're not just some, some simple little people. You're very special very special in the eyes of God, each and every one of you. You're very special in the eyes of God. God has you here for a time and a season for a reason. Hello? You're connected here and, and put here for a purpose that only you guys can fulfill. You're a very unique church, a very unique people. And I believe with all of my heart that we cannot, for a moment, forget who we are. We, for, we have to be people that are on the cutting edge, remembering who we are. The point of this whole message is I'm going to show you how the devil sidetracks you. I believe most of you in here today have heard at least enough word to know who you are or who you're supposed to be. But I believe that the devil sidetracks us and gets us discouraged, and we don't achieve it. We don't, we don't walk in it. We don't take our position at the king's table like we should. All right? I wrote this down this morning, just a little something to say. I'm a child. I, I am, this is what I say. I'm a child of God. I'm born again by the Spirit of God, washed in the blood of Jesus. My sins are forgiven, and I'm right with my heavenly Father. I'm the temple of God, and Spirit lives in me. So I can say greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. That's the attitude each and every one of us should have. We should be sitting here saying we are at the king's table. We deserve, have a right to be eating at the king's table. And we're here to be the king's service to do his bidding. For too long, the Christian church has sat around and let, let the, the pastor and some leadership do everything. But I'm telling you what, God wants to stir each and every one of you for, to fulfill your purpose in life, to see amazing, amazing, amazing things happen. But you can't do it if you don't believe it. You won't do it if you don't believe it. I had so many amazing things happen on these last two weeks in, in Ireland. You know, I just went over there and just was myself, wore my hat down right down the middle of the street, found out that all the Irish people love cowboys. <laughs> I was a hit. I thought I was going to start signing autographs. Man, I'm telling you. They'd, they'd come right out on the streets out of the pub and grab me, and, oh, my God, what are you, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Texas. And they're, ah! So many places I went into and I just look over at the person and say, howdy, how you doing? And they just go, oh. I said, not know what was going on. I'm telling you what, guys, we could take the whole country of Ireland and go over there and just put on a rodeo. I get 100,000 people coming. <laughs> Let's put on a rodeo, go over there, man. Rodeo and a dance. They love country music. Favorite singers, Johnny Cash. We walked into, you know, they don't have any restaurants over there. They're all pubs. you got to go into the pub to eat. There's no restaurants. So you go into the pub to eat. They're playing. Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, uh, the Bellamy Brothers. All this is playing, old 1970 country music, and they're just eating it up. And I'm like, wow, I came 4,000 miles to listen to Willie's Roadhouse, you know what I mean? (laughs) I said, where's the Irish music? He said, ah, they only play that for the tourists, man. This is what we like. So it was, a, it was a little different experience there. But one thing I learned is that every one of those people, as I talked to them and I visited with them over there, they're just living life, okay? They were good people. The Irish people, man, I loved them. They were friendly, nice, just like us country folk kind of people. That same spirit about them, stop, talk to you, help you, give you directions, do whatever, just, just seemed like they were thoroughly enjoyed to see you, okay? And I got to thinking about it. I said, you know, we're all the, we're over here, they're over there, you know, we you know talk different and whatever, but I mean, every one of them has the same desire, all right? And I began to pray and I began to ask the Lord, Lord, show me, show me this about what people are thinking, all right? I'm going to change course a little bit here. Show me what people are thinking. Show me what they want. What do they want? What are they looking for? And so the Lord gave me 10 things, and then I went on the Internet and I started looking and researching and, and lo and behold, you know, everything that I would read in, in psychology and other things like that all had the same 10 things. And so. These are 10 desires of every person's heart. Now, this is this is partially me, partially what I found on the Internet, psychology, whatever they're saying, you know, studies, all this. But this is human beings. This is not Texas. This is not just utopia. This is not just the United States. This is every human being on the face of the earth. Ten desires in their their hearts. Number one, they want happiness. They want happiness. Number two, they need money. Number three, they want freedom. Freedom to be who they are, freedom to express themselves. Maybe in some other cases, freedom from, you know, governments or something like that. Number four, peace want to have peace. Really, human beings, we're not looking for war. You know what I'm saying? As human beings, the normal general public, we're not looking for war. When I walked down the streets and everything, nobody wanted to fight me. Nobody, it was not war. It was all just, everybody just wanted, you know, to have peace, talk and visit and joy, which to the second one. Number five was joy. People want to have joy. People don't want to be miserable. People aren't looking out there in the life to be miserable. Number six, they want balance. Not ups and downs and highs and lows and all this. They just want balance. Number seven, they want fulfillment. Something that they're doing in life to have a purpose and a fulfillment. Number eight, they want confidence. They want to know that, that, that that they are confident in what they believe and what they're doing. Number nine, they want Stability. See, what's going on in the world today is trying to take out stability in everybody. Do you know that everywhere I went, I couldn't believe it, everywhere I went over there, people, you know what they asked me? What do I think about Trump? And I was like, why are we talking politics? I don't want to talk politics. But the real root of that is, do, we, do, do you think, they're asking me, do you think America is going to stay stable because we need America to stay stable because if they're stable, then we're all stable? That's what they were saying. The tenth one was they want passion. Passion. So as I, got, I, as I started looking at these things, thinking, you know, that's really true. Human beings, no matter where we are, these are the things that we desire on the inside. And then I began, the Holy Spirit began to show me and reveal to me how much that's all the gospel is about, to give you those ten things, to place in you and instill in you those ten things by the gospel. So the answer is really we have, the Christianity is the answer that everybody's looking for. They just don't know it. Think about this. As I read these things and and looked up and studied this some more, I'm back to number one, happiness. I said most people are looking for happiness because they're looking outside of themselves for situations, circumstances, jobs, family, spouses, paychecks, or whatever, to keep them happy. But the problem is, those things keep shifting and moving. And so when you're looking outside, you're never going to find happiness because about the time you think you got this one done, this one messes up. <clears throat> so just to imagine if you're a, 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 a person that doesn't know Jesus, you're out there in the world, and you start reading the headlines of the newspaper. What that would do to you? Because you're, not, you're looking outside to make things make you look happy means your husband didn't perform or your wife didn't perform or your kids aren't doing what they said or whatever because you're looking outside to make you happy. And we all know there's only one thing that's going to make you happy in life, and that's filling the void and the hole in your life with the relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. Happiness comes from looking inside of what Jesus has done for you on the inside of you. That's the only place you're ever going to be happy. If you think your spouse is going to make you happy, forget it. Now, I want to tell you something. My wife, I got the greatest wife on the face of the earth. I'm sorry. I I got her. She's mine. Poor thing sat there in a car with me driving on the left-hand side of the road, flying around all over the place, screaming, move over, move over, move over. I said, I can't. The trucks are coming at me. Sat there the whole time. We just had the greatest time. She loved me, forgave each other every evening. <clears throat> I, I made this little simple mistake, and, and it was totally my ego. I, 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 we went to the rental car place to get the car. We, we, they, they said, Do you, uh, we want to upgrade you?" Well, upgrade. I'm always taking upgrade. Yeah." I said, "Yeah, give me an upgrade." They said, "We've got a nice BMW 720 out there for you." I said, "Now we're talking, man. I'm a child of the king. I need a beamer, you know." Like what was I thinking? I drive a truck, you know, drive a dodge truck. What was I thinking? So I get in this car, I mean, literally you know, steering wheels on the other side, steering wheels on the right hand side. I get in this thing, and I start looking at it, I'm like, oh my Lord, what are all these buttons and stuff and how do you get this thing in gear, and oh my lord, everything is just crazy. Well, I didn't think anything about it. Got out there on the road, first ride out of the box, I'm not a hundred yards into this thing, hundred yards right outside of the of the uh, the, where we rent the car and uh, have to come up to a red light, lights everywhere, lights everywhere. You know, I said, Are those my stoplights? Are those sometimes I ask my stoplights? I Are Those my stoplights? I don't want stoplights. I'm just stopping. So I stop and step on the brake and the car dies. And I go, The car died. The car died. Oh my God, the car died. What are we doing now? The car died. I'm on the wrong side of the road. And the car died. I'm looking, I'm pushing buttons. and <laughs> Clicking this, clicking that, and take my foot off the brake, whoosh, and the car starts back up. I am like, oh my God, it's one of those cars. <laughs> just freaking out, just freaking out. So you cannot understand unless you've ever experienced it. I do not know what's inside your brain, but when you're driving on the right hand side, you know, uh, in the car, you're sitting on the right hand side of the car and driving on the left hand side of the road, and you you, you feel like your depth perception is off, and you feel like you have like a semi-truck over on the other side of you. I don't know what the deal is. It's not like sitting in our car. So I start to turn, and the guy told me, he said, just remember, swing wide. I'm in a car. Why are you telling me to swing wide? Well, I start to turn, and I cannot keep myself from going to the left. And I start turning, and Laura's like, there's a curb, there's a curb, there's a curb. Boom! I hit this curb. I mean, I'm a good driver, but I can't get this thing figured out, man. I just keep listing over here to the other side of the road, you know. But praise God for Jesus. It was hard, but at the end of the day, my wife, even though she can make me happy and we love to be with each other, I know that happiness is on the inside of me. Money. It's never enough. Listen to me. I don't care how much money you have, whether you have the most, the, if you're multimillionaire or whatever, you're always going to be at the place where you, gotta, you, you believe you have more money, you need more money. If you have a billion in the bank, you're going to need two because you're going to be trying to surpass somebody else. You say, oh, I wouldn't be like that. Yes, you would be because you may get out of the hole that you're in, and get to another level. But if you don't have a, a, a comprehension of what money is for, then you're going to need more money because you're going to build yourself up to another level and then you're going to need more money and then you're going to go up to the next level and you're going to need more money. It's just going to be a continual thing of torment until a person realizes that money is nothing more than a tool. Money is a tool, it's a tool to advance the kingdom of God on the face of the earth and that's it. And when you get that down on the inside of your heart, you'll always have enough money. But until that's down on the inside of your heart, you're always going to be at the place where you need money. Okay, here we go. The gospel has an answer to what people are wanting. The second one, freedom, or the third one, freedom. Okay. <clears throat> so many times you think about being bound by habits, but the truth of the matter is, people are bound in all kinds of things—hurts, pains. What do we? What does he offer? Jesus offers freedom, freedom from all the things of life, freedom from 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 the the circumstances, the, the, the lame legs that has happened to you in life, he offers you freedom. See, the gospel has an answer for everything that the people want. I'm trying to tell you this morning, you already have what the world is looking for, no matter where you go in the world, they're all looking for these 10 things. You already have the answer. It's already on the inside of you, but you've got to get so proficient in working in it that you can then tell somebody else. If you're bound up yourself and somebody says, man, I just looks like thing's just nothing's going to work right. And you say, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, then you're not being much of a witness. Hello? You don't telling people the answer because you're not seeing it in your own life. When you turn to your, your, your co-worker, your friend, and somebody says, oh, oh, this has happened to me. And you say, man, listen, don't worry about it, man. God's got this covered. God can take care of this. This is a small thing for him. He's a God that parts seas. He's a God that moves mountains. He's a God that can do anything. This is what you need to focus on. The fourth one was peace. This world's full of chaos. Folks, I want to tell you something. I I know there's a little bit of shock for me. We live here in Utopia. You would go to San Antonio, which still feels like a small town. But when when we flew to the streets of Dublin, and I began to see the masses of people, and I didn't even know what it was going to be like when I got to London. Oh, pray God never sends you to London. <laughs> I have never seen so many people in my entire life. I, 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 was just, I was just dumbfounded. I was like, what are y'all doing? I mean, just herds of people. But there's chaos in this life and chaos in this world. Everywhere you go. Y'all heard about the big, the big scandal that happened about the, the travel agency that went broke and left 600,000 people out there, you know? I never even knew anything about it. Thank God it wasn't our travel agency. We're just waltzing through the airport trying to figure out how to get through, uh, you know, the line without being strip searched. That's another whole story. There's no peace in this world. You're not, going to find, you're not going to find peace in this world, in this situation. Peace comes from knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. Peace comes from having a relationship that you know you can talk to the Son of God. That's the only where peace is going to come from. To knowing that you have a right to be at the king's table. To understand your position at the king's table. Amen. There's no other place peace is going to come. The fifth one was Joy. This world's trying to find joy in temporal things, trying to find joy in, 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 in this, that, and the other, okay? And in, in one of the stores we went into in London, our, uh, Pastor Wynn took us, was a store called Herod's, which is supposed to be the most expensive store in the world, and it was. And uh, I couldn't, I, this is the truth, I couldn't understand because I don't, you know, my wife buys my clothes. I never go clothes shopping. But if I find out how much she spends for a shirt, I'm like, freak out. Like, what do you mean you spent more than $12 for a shirt? I mean, what are you talking about, you know? And so she doesn't tell me, and she just buys things for me and tells me to wear them because they look good, and so that's what I do. And, and I don't have any idea, any concept of the value of clothing, okay? So, but but Herod has a meat market. So I go into the meat market because I can understand meat. And I go in there, and I start looking, and I'm down at the, I'm down at the counter, and I'm looking, I'm like, what? And so I figured it out, and I asked the guy in the back, is that right? A pork chop. You know, a a nice three-quarter inch pork chop. Good-looking one. $55 American dollars for that pork chop. I said, what'd you feed the pig? (laughs) What could possibly make that a $55 pork chop? I mean, it tastes like chocolate when you eat it or what? That's ridiculous. But it's supposed to be the finest pork ever. So seeing things like that, maybe, and so then I got to thinking about it. I said, you know, that pork chop's not going to spoil in there. Somebody's going to come by. Somebody's got the money to pay that. $50,000 watch on the low end. I said, who's going to buy a $50,000 watch? Somebody will, because that store couldn't stay open if people didn't come in there and spend that kind of money. Now, you know, of course, me, y'all know me. I had to go to Holland and Holland. Holland Holland, if you don't know, is the finest shotgun manufacturer in the world. So I go in there to look at their their shotguns and their double rifles, which I've always read and heard about. Starting at about hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a piece. I knew they were expensive. I wouldn't the sticker shock on that wasn't so bad because I knew what to expect. I finally found one cheapy in there that wouldn't didn't handle have any engraving on it. It must have been they must have dropped it on the floor or something. No sell it for 45000 you know. I couldn't find anything in the store to buy. I was going to buy something. I, there was a knife there, and I thought there's some custom knives, and they weren't any better than Mr. Waltz's knife. looked just like them, and I thought, well, you know, I'll buy a knife that's hot, hot. It looked like it's $100. Put my glasses on and said, oh, that's $1,100. Okay, forget that. <laughs> couldn't even find a cap. No T-shirt, no nothing. Couldn't afford anything in the whole joint. Finally just went outside, took my picture out in front of it, and said I'd been, you know. I have been there. But a $145,000 shotgun's not going to bring me joy. I'd be happy with it. It'd be pretty good. I'd tote it around. Boy, I just carry it all the time, strapped on my back, you know, let everybody see it. But I'm telling you what, that's not what's going to bring me joy. What's going to bring me joy in life is to know that I know Jesus and I'm on the right path. You follow me? We got the answer for all of it, church. You got the answer for everything the world's on, whether they're Irish or English or Welsh or, or good old Americans. You got the answer. Amen. The sixth thing is is balance. We got to have balance in life. Well, listen, you cannot have balance okay? You can't have balance unless you're own something sturdy. You got to know that <laughs> you're already on the greatest standard strong, immovable. Rock called Jesus, and then you can have some balance when I went through some of these churches and some of these places we saw we went to the Rock of Cashel, which you have to just go look it up and say it's unbelievable. it's a huge, amazing church slash fortress built on this hill in this town, and we went up in there and I looked through it there's i mean I was looking at the architecture, I'm like, how could they have built this and huge vault groin vault ceilings and all this stuff and then i walk over there and i look and i'm you know it's a church it's an old church and and you can see this is where it would have been and wow there's the altar and what's behind the altar but it's carved in granite jesus on the cross and i'm like see it's built in i think 1046 or something there it is jesus right there they were having church in this place they were preaching it. and here the rock is still standing jesus is still preaching today from this place you see Folks, listen to me. You're not going to have balance in your life without a deep relationship with Jesus yeah. and knowing that you're found, your life's founded upon the rock. Yeah. What everybody's looking for in the world, you already got it. They want fulfillment. The seventh one was fulfillment. And it says, and all the things that read, that people only get fulfillment when they have satisfaction in completing a task. And I thought about that. Lord just spoke to me and said, you know what? The day... The day you accepted me as your Lord and Savior, the day that you made me your Lord and Savior of your life, everything got put in place. The task got accomplished. Listen to me, you all of us in here, we're not living probably at the place we should be, but let me tell you something, you already got eternity made. You already got the finished result done. You already did the most important thing. You made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You already did the most important thing, got your sins washed away. You already did the most important thing, got a relationship back with your heavenly Father so that when you die, you're going to heaven. What else is there? You already got the greatest thing to say. Man, I am fulfilled in life, already made the best choice of my life. The next one is people want confidence. There's only one way you can have confidence in life. To know a truth, to know a truth that never changes. I'm confident that my Bible's right. I'm confident that what the promises that God promises, us, he's able to fulfill. I'm confident that in this, it's not just book. This is not just ink on paper. This is not just, just some ancient transcript, which reminds me. <clears throat> you know, we had certain places set in Ireland to go but we had no agenda. I didn't want to have an agenda. I wasn't involved with a tour or anything like that. We're just doing our own thing. So we don't know what we're doing. Just following the Holy Ghost, you know? And so just believe in God to order our steps. So we get into Dublin, and I say, you know, I said, Laura, you know, that's Trinity College over there, and that's a pretty important place. Let's go look at it. So we go wandering over there, fight through the traffic, get in there, go to Trinity College. Look at this place. It's old architectural buildings and and then just looking at this stuff, and I said, there's this place that they talk about. It's called Long Haul. We need to go over there and look at it. And so we find out where it is. We go wandering in this place. I have no idea what's going on, right? You got to understand, I, I, I can't figure out how their system's working. I can't understand the money. I got this Monopoly money in my hand. Don't even look right. Bunch of euros. Can't figure nothing out. I'm just walking along, just handing people money. Man, I don't know what to do, you know? And so... So you, so we went in there, the guy, I said, well, you, is this long haul? And the guy said, yes, sir. I said, well, you got to go on a special tour or nothing? He says, no, sir, you just got to, you know, just, you just go in the front right there and the pay and you can go in. And so I wander in there and they say, yes, sir, There's a charge. How much you want? You know, them, I'm throwing money around. We walk in there. I'm going through this place. I'm looking. There's something on exhibition. Have no idea what it is. There's something there that's being exhibited. And so I'm walking through and I'm looking at them, reading it and reading the stuff. And it's talking about this thing and. I'm like, what is this? And, and it says it's the book of Kells. And I'm saying, the book of Kells, what's the book of Kells? And I'm looking, all of a sudden, I, and all of a sudden it just starts revealing. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. This is a manuscript of the Bible. And I start getting in depth and I start reading. I said, get up, get Laura, get Laura. Get come 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 I said, look, this thing, is a, this thing was done in a monastery in 800 AD. This is a transcript of the Bible. Is what this is. So we go in there and find it. There it is. A, ma- a manuscript of the Bible translated in 800 A.D. by monks. And I'm looking at Mark chapter 15. And I'm thinking to myself, this, this, is, this is the truth. This is, this is my Bible. This is, this, my Bible came from this. When I read on the little side notes and it says, some of the ancient manuscripts, I'm looking at it. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, we didn't know we were going to get to see a, this thing. It just happened to be on exhibition while we were there. So then I said, Well, man, I don't even want what I came to see. And I already see more. Woohoo, can't believe this. Walk up in the middle of Longhaul. I'm like, Oh, man. Look at Laura. I said, Man, Toto, we ain't in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Huge. Has ever book in, just books on top of books, books from Plato, Aristotle, all the books of ancient writings and stuff in this thing. I'm like, I didn't know this existed. It was just like something God was doing it. But what got me was, is God took us there, and what did we get to see? A validation of our word. A validation of our word that is true, that, that what God has promised, he's been around since 800 AD proclaiming. You're not going to have stability in life. You're not going to have confidence in life, rather. You're not going to have confidence in life unless you know that what you believed in is true. If you're still trying to figure out, is God alive or not? Well, listen, you're, you're, you don't have any confidence in that. If you're not sold out right now that Jesus Christ is the Son of God... If you're not sold out right now that God, the Father, will bless you, he will perform everything he said he would do, if that's not already sunk down on the inside of you, if you're still standing around saying, oh, God, why is this happening to me? Then, folks, listen to me. You've missed and you've been lied to, and you're not going to have confidence because you don't have the truth settled down on the inside of you. The whole time we've been praying, I know y'all were praying for us. Y'all were praying for us the whole time we're praying because I've never been to Ireland. I've never been to any of any of those countries over there. I've been traveled all over the world, but always had somebody there to pick me up. This is the first time in life I just blundered now the plane. So I mean we land like we know what we're doing in Dublin. We're walking along, and I told her, Laura, I said, man, we just need to pray. God's going to do something here. I said, I, don't, I can't, I don't even know where we are. The airports are weird. Everything's weird. I don't know what we're doing. I said, I just know we need a taxi, and just pray that we get a good taxi cab driver, and I thought, man, I don't have any money, you know, because I don't have any euros, so there's an exchange place. to exchange some money. I get in there. I ask the lady, I said, where do you go get a taxi? And of course, she's just like, I love your hat. Your hat is so amazing. I said, like, thank you, ma'am, but where do I get a taxi, and so we go down there, Everybody's just like, they're all sitting around this, like the taxi stand. Everybody's sitting around, suddenly they stop, you know, looking at us coming down the taxiway. And I said, I need a taxi. This guy gets out. I'm not joking. He's 84 years old, the taxi cab driver. He gets out, young. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. He gets out. He gets out like this. He comes walking over there real slow. We got our two bags of luggage there, and he looks up at me and says, Do you think you can put that in the trunk? <laughs> I said, not a problem, sir. Just get out of the way. Let me put it in your trunk. So we start going, kind of find out the little man's a Christian. He loves Americans. He's just is so excited to see us. He tells us all the places to go, everything to do. Gives us a card, to, uh, a prayer card for us. And he said he'd be praying for us the whole time. And then came and picked us back up and took us. And just God had set it up. I mean, there's just taxi cab, taxi cab, taxi cab. And we get the godly man. You with me? God just got, you got to know that when you're praying, God's going to do something. And I mean, we're country bumpkins just wallowing and, you know, I mean, God, you can't even imagine. I mean, I thought I was pretty well traveled, but this was completely out of my norm. The ninth one was stability. You've got to know stability. Listen, you've got to know, you're only going to have stability when you know that the creator of this world is your Father. So when the doctor says to you, you have cancer, you can look at the doctor and say, okay, let's deal with this, but I know the creator. I know the one who blew breath into me. And and let's find out what he has to say. Are you with me? Then you have stability because you know in whom you have believed. And you are fully persuaded that he's able to perform what he's promised. And then the tenth one, passion you're not going to have passion in life. You're not going to get passion. You're not going to find anything to be passionate about until you understand your purpose in life. And you live, listen, you live for how great He is. Hear what I'm saying? You're not truly going to have passion in life until you understand your purpose and how great Jesus is that you're living for. Folks, the thing about life is, is I just want to please Jesus. I know y'all do too. I just want to please Jesus. I just want to get to heaven and hear Jesus say, well done, that good and faithful servant. I do not want to get to heaven and see Jesus like this and say, well. (laughs) Or I don't want him to hear him say, well done. (laughs) And I get the trap door. (laughs) right? I want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, so that we performed everything and had the purpose of living for him. But listen to me, if you love Jesus, see, some people say, I I don't really understand how you do that because I, I don't know how you love Jesus. You can't see Jesus. Wait a minute. I love everything about Jesus. I love that he's righteous. I love that he's just. I love that he is compassionate. I love that he is graceful. I love the fact that that God makes a world and he sits back and he's not really worried so much about time. See, all the things about God that I know from reading my Bible, I love it. I love it. I love it that he's a just God and he's a righteous God and nobody's going to get away with the things that they think they're going to get away with. I love it. I love everything about the nature of God and the nature of Jesus. And when I read the scriptures and I see how cool Jesus was walking on the earth, I love it. I love him because that's who he is. When you get to that place in life, that is passion. I love how he rescues orphans. I love how he takes a little church and then blesses us and we give like a, like a mega church. I love how that this little church can affect nations. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know how he's going to exactly work everything. But Pastor Wynn and I were there together and we, I went into his house and into his studio and we cut a video and, and I, I was talking about finances and then he's launching that onto his website. So then the water hole is going to be connected in with 143 other countries of people that are out there doing that and then we're going to connect him with us and and use his discipleship material, but all of a sudden, you know, uh, the world just opened up. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how. It's just kind of scary for me. We're going to try to cut videos over here to send over there, and there's a lot of things we got to do and, and 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 get figured out, but I'm just excited about that there may be a whole bunch more people in the world know about Living Word's Church, okay? That's exciting to me, that we could be helping more people and more people and more people. But then it's kind of scary, because, you know, how it is, the bigger the family gets, you know, the more issues you deal with. Somebody said to me the other day, why do you need so much money? I said, I got 143 children. <laughs> you ought to, you need some cash. You just take care of two or three. I need, I got 143 we're trying to take care of, all right? 143 we've got to put the, into college. You're trying to believe God for the college fund for your children? I got 143 to believe for, you know? So, yeah, we need some cash. But you know, I'm not worried about it. You know why? Because I got stability. I got passion. I got confidence. I got fulfillment in the one in whom I know. Folks, you already have the answer. Now, let me show you this in the scriptures. Go to 2 Peter 1 3. 2 Peter 1 3. 2 Peter 1 3. It says, according as his divine power hath given to us all things. Everybody say, all things. If it says all things, is there anything that's left out? Could it be anything left out? Could Jesus say, I'll give you all things, and then, oh, but we didn't include that. How many of y'all have ever done, you know, insurance policy? Whoo, yeah, we got you covered. Oh, but not for that. Hello? You didn't read the fine print? How many of you have, gotten, had, had, that, have had that call? You know, you, 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 uh, had an accident, had this happen. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't cover that. You said you took care of everything. No, well, but not that. That was a separate policy you had to buy. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't like that? When he says all things that pertain unto life, all things that pertain to life. So does that cover everything that you're going to face in this life? <laughs> there's nothing that He's. there's nothing. Hear what I'm saying, there's nothing. Nothing that you can face that he hasn't got covered. I don't care if it's a bump on your nose. He's got it covered. Are you following what I'm saying? You're not going to and say, oh, this, is, this happened to me. I no, can't do it." He's got it covered. Do you believe me? Well, don't believe me. Believe what Peter said. Believe the word of God there. You with me? I'm believing that word. That's what I'm sitting on. I'm just showing what the Word says. All things that pertain to life. He's already given you all things that pertain to life in the gospel. So you got people out there running around this world seeking to find happiness, seeking to find joy, seeking to find peace, seeking to find stability, seeking to find confidence, seeking to find all these things that all the world's looking for, and we got it. It's called the good news of Jesus Christ. We got everything that's going to be needed, everything that's going to need to take place, we got it. It's already here. You already got it in you. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. The more you know about him, the more you're going to walk in it. Who hath called us unto glory. Has called you unto glory. Everybody say I've been called to glory. You see what it says? Who hath called us to glory. You've been called to glory. You said, well, I don't know, Pastor, I don't know what glory really means. Hey. I don't know if that means your face is gonna be put on the, the 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 you know Time magazine or something. I don't know if you're gonna be the man of the year, the woman of the year, whatever like that. I don't know if that necessarily means that glory, but it means that you've been called into glory. You've been called into a place. Hear me. Every one of us, I don't care who you are, I don't care where you were born, I don't care how much money you have, how much education you have, whatever. If you're in Jesus Christ, you have been called to a place of glory that you have out of your mouth the ability to tell someone else about Jesus and the miracle of salvation comes into their life and they be helped. You have an answer for the person that's in trouble. You have an answer for every situation and problem you're going to face out there with other people to see that you walk through it and God moving and bringing glory to him because you're called to glory. You are the 18. We're all the 18. You've been called to glory. Everybody say I've been called to glory. Look at the person beside you. Say, you've been called to glory. Whereby we are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, exceeding great and precious promises, not just a promise, but exceeding great and precious promises. (laughs) I mean, when God says it's exceeding great and precious, how big can that be? I saw some of the wildest things. As far as architecture goes, because you know, you know, me being a builder and looking at things, I just, I, I just like, how did they build that? How did they do that? The craftsmanship that it took to bring to do that, it's just, it's just unbelievable. But we went to this place called Cairo, Calmore Abbey. It was, it's an abbey where a Catholic church has it, the nuns having it they're all in there. But we, it's just, it's unbelievable. It looks like a Disneyland castle, and so we go in there. And we start looking at this place and start hearing the story about it. And a, and a man owned it. A man owned it. Okay? And he built this huge, magnificent, unbelievable. I mean, you just walk through it and you're just like, what? This is a person's house? And this is huge. And so then he was so wealthy, he went to Egypt with his wife. And as they're in Egypt, she gets bit by a mosquito. A little mosquito. Just a little mosquito. She got bit. Came back with Nile fever and died. So I'm thinking, here's this guy. He's got all this money. He builds this beautiful house on this beautiful lake. It is unbelievable. You can't even imagine what it looks like. It's like a picture. It's like a fairy tale. And but what happens? A little mosquito takes her down. She dies. He gets into all kinds of problems after that. Loses the whole place in a poker game. All the money in the world. All the glory in the world. All the most beautiful place in the world lost everything money couldn't buy and a mosquito literally destroyed his family a mosquito you know mosquitoes we we don't understand because you know we're not malaria areas and stuff like that but you know mosquitoes love my wife she's sweeter than i am they never even bother me they didn't even come around me but they eat my wife up but you just think about you don't even see them little old bug little thing you don't even see them you hear them when they come by your ear but you don't see them they're just down there sucking blood off your leg and it killed a woman I'm just glad that I serve a God who's already given me all things that pertain to life, who's called me to glory, who's given me exceeding great and precious promises greater than anything that a person could imagine on this earth because He wants us to be a partaker with Him in the divine nature that He gave to His Son, Jesus. It says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust having escaped it all. Folks, listen to me. We've got to rise up because I want to tell you something. We have done amazing things as a church, but I believe God wants us to do exceedingly abundant above all we can think or ask. I really believe that God wants us to rock this world. You say, how's he going to do that? I have no idea. I, I, I just, I'm just, I'm just, putting one foot in front of the other. I'm just going to believe and just do what God told me to do and go out there. But I believe that God's going to do something in all of us if we will allow him to bring us to the place of glory. If we want to stay with our little mentality and stay with our just, oh, we're just, you know, poor as me, lowly worm, little sheep mentality, just like that, well, then you're not, you're not going to go anywhere. I'm telling you right now, I'm not saying this is God, just something I observe. I could put on a rodeo right now in Ireland, and I'd draw 100,000 people and love cowboys. You can see me rednecks around here, go over there, man, we're hooping and hollering and riding a horse in the middle of the street. And I'm telling you what, we get 100,000 people out there. Preach the gospel to them. I mean, seriously, it's crazy. I don't know what God's got in store. I have never in life been anywhere that I felt so welcomed, so loved, so respected. It was crazy. And I wanted to stay there. I didn't want to come home. I told my wife, I said, let's just stay. Let's just go AWOL. (laughs) We'll hide out over here. All I'm saying to you, church, is God has got exceeding great and precious promises. But if we're going to do this, we have to become masterminds. And the truth of the matter is, in this message, when I continue to know, you'll see what I'm talking about. You have to learn to master your mind. You have to learn to cast the devil out of your thoughts, get your thinking straight, and become a mastermind that every time the devil throws a thought at you, you're able to spot it, rebuke it, replace it with a godly thought, so you can go on and keep walking. That's how you become a mastermind. You're never going to get to the place where there's not going to be something shot at you. You're never going to get to the place where there's not going to be an issue. There's not going to be a problem. There's not going to be something going on. You're never going to get there. That place does not exist. Candyland does not exist. Okay? You're not going to go to the doctor and he says, I see this rare disease you have. You need to eat chocolate every day. You're not going to find that place. It ain't going to happen. Quit wishing it. Quit dreaming it. It ain't going to happen. All right? You're gonna have issues, you're gonna have problems, and the devil's gonna attack you to the day you go to heaven. But if you get control of what goes on up here in the and 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 begin to see the avenues and the ways that you're hurting yourself by believing the enemy's lies. The days that you're keeping yourself discouraged or depressed or in poverty mindedness or in fear, and you get this straight right here, well, then you will become a mastermind and you will be walking in the glory that Jesus has for you. And I believe at the end of this series, I'm going to show you some of the simple things and you're going to get it. Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, you know, I'm going to be a mastermind. Amen. Well, close your Bibles. And stand up if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down here, please? But all of those of you listening and watching today, listen, wherever you are, I don't care what country you're in, where you're at, listen to me. Jesus loves you. And no matter where you are and what you've done, he loves you and he wants to come into your life. That's the greatest step that you can ever make. Everything I've preached today, all those 10 things you're looking for in life, you're not going to find happiness, you're not going to find joy, you're not going to find peace until Jesus Christ becomes the Lord and Savior of your life. If you're out there and you're listening and watching and you don't know for sure, that he is your savior if you're right with God within well right there where you are stop right there ask him to come into your life ask him to save you ask him for the, the, his blood to wash you and cleanse you of your sins and he will right there wherever you're at if you're in here today listen to me i want to i want you to understand we got a prayer team up here we got people here that will pray with you if you need anything. They're up here to pray for you. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're in here today, you need to come up here and you need to talk to one of these people and just say, let's pray for me. Just pray for me. And they're going to help you and they're going to lead you to Jesus. And the minute that you give your life to him, the power of God is going to come into your life and you're going to finally find what true joy is all about. Amen. So I want y'all to grab hands here and just hold your hands here in agreement. All of you out there listening and watching, listen to me right there. Just pray this prayer with me and say, Jesus, come into my life right now. just, Just forgive me of my sins and let me live a life with you. And he will. Lord, I just pray over each and every person in here today. I pray, Heavenly Father, that right now that their eyes would be open, their understanding would come alive. That, Lord, every trap that the enemy has, everything that he's laid in their life that keeps them out of the exceeding great and precious promises, that, Lord, right now you would open up their eyes and open up their heart and that they would begin to see what they've never seen before. They begin to understand what they've never really understood before and that you would bless them, that you would touch them, and that, Lord God, you would break those chains off of them so that they could be whole and walking with you. Father, I just believe that this church is going to go to greater levels. I believe, Lord, you're bringing people in from the north, south, east, and the west to come in here to set their agreement with us that, Lord, that we can reach the world for you and tell them this good news. So, Lord, I declare that they are amazing, unbelievable, awesome Christians, and I thank you for it, Lord. Bless them now and give us people this week to go preach to and tell the good news to, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Church, God bless you. We're here to pray for you if you need it. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.